where there's cost, there is so much blessing and then joy and that. But see, that's where faith comes in. When you when you truly understand the gospel, there's nothing else you actually need. Hi, and welcome to Live in the Light. You've joined us today for the conclusion of our series, Gospel Advance. And today we get to take a closer look at how much this life of purpose will cost us. Well, and as we're about to hear, Jesus is going to give some calculated truth-telling meant to refine us all. But before we get there, I want to remind you all that if you'd like a copy of today's message or even to grab the whole series, make sure you reach out and get a hold of us through our website at liveinthelight.ca. You can also phone us up, and all of those details will be available for you at the end of today's program. And now let's go to today's teaching and join Pastor Robbie in Luke 14 as we take a closer look at the cost of the gospel. Now us here, us here in this nation at this time, in this time of history, we have for the most part, we have, we have been raised in a historical Christian society that has been a tremendous grace of God. Unusual blessing, unusual peace, unusual freedom founded on the principles of the Lord and the principles of scripture. And we need to be so thankful for that. I just walked into the building today and I just recited to myself, God, thank you that we can meet in this place in freedom. Thank you, we have the blessing to gather. Thank you for the grace of the gospel we freely shared. Thank you, Lord, for your freedom. But, 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 but we know if we're at all aware of what's happening, we know times are changing. Now, how and why, we're not totally sure. But we know things are not staying the same. And we also know that the peace and freedom we experience today currently in the gospel is not that way for hundreds and thousands and millions of our brothers and sisters across this world. Listen to these stats in the persecuted church given by Open Doors Ministry. It says more Christians were martyred in the 20th century than in all the other centuries combined. Over 75% of the world's population lives in areas with severe religious restrictions, 75% of the world's population. Christians are the most widely persecuted religious group in the world. 75% of acts of religious intolerance are directed against Christians, 75%. According to the United States Department of State, Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution from their governments or surrounding neighbors simply because of their belief in Jesus Christ. Currently, over 100 million Christians are being persecuted worldwide. The number one persecutor of Christians is North Korea, where an estimated 50,000 to 70,000 Christians are imprisoned in labor camps. China has experienced a 300% increase in abuse and persecution against Chinese Christians even since 2013. More than 70% of Christians have fled Iraq since 2003, 70%, if not more. 700,000 Christians have left Syria since the civil war began in 2011. That's the entire population of the city of Mississauga. The most rapidly growing area of persecution in the 
and the world watch list are in the countries of Africa, especially in the sub-Saharan Africa. Islamic extremism is by far the most significant persecution engine. 40 of the 50 countries on the world watch list are affected by this kind of persecution. 2014 experienced the highest level of global persecution of Christians in the modern era. 2014 experienced the highest level of global persecutions of Christians in the modern era. And it says that 2015 current conditions suggest that the worst is is yet to come. I think we believe that. I mean, this this is just what's happening in our day. But as you think about that, let's always remember, it's pretty much precisely what Jesus Christ promised would happen. So let's not be surprised. And let's not be fearful either. We know as Christians that even in our society, suffering's getting closer and closer to home. We know that the name of Jesus has never been more under attack here now. We know that agendas are all over the place, specifically against Christ, against his church, and against his word. So many agendas are rising up. We know that subtle persecution is ever increasing in the forms of intolerance, verbal attacks, legal activities, and the subtle is often becoming not so subtle. We know that entire forms of government are closing in on religious liberty and freedom, specifically against Christians. We know the increasing satanic hatred for Christ is becoming more and more obvious. We know the flavor of the Antichrist is growing with each day, and that's what it is. It's Antichrist. It's not anti-Buddha. It's not anti-Muhammad. It's Antichrist. Again, just as Jesus promised. Now, as I say these things, some of you are tempted with fear. I understand. Sometimes I get tempted with fear too, but be not afraid. Be not afraid. Be prepared. Be prepared. The Lord loves you. He's with us. He will win and we are here today and we are called to live at a cost and suffering for him. And I'm not trying to scare you at all, but I am trying to prepare you again with what Jesus has so clearly said. Now, what happens to me in this process of being aware of the reality of the world that we are currently living in, what it does for me ultimately when I ground my faith in the word and the love and the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ, what it does, it lessens my grip on the world and tightens my grip on the word. That's what's happening in my life right now. I mean, just the things of the world, it's amazing how they go strangely dim. It's amazing how you just desire now to hold tighter and tighter to the word of God. Listen, when I think about these truths, it lessens my passion for earth and heightens my passion for eternity. It diminishes my desire for self and intensifies my love for the savior. At the end of the day, it causes me to care less for self and it causes me to care way more for the gospel of Jesus Christ because in the end, that's all that matters. That's the power of opposition increasing. That's the power of us understanding the reality of what we're facing. That's the opportunity that God brings to a church that truly understands what we're living for and who we're living for. Again, I'm not trying to be an alarmist today, but I am trying to teach you the Bible. And this is what the Bible says. And I want you to know, I'm having conversations with my kids right now. Why? Because I want them to understand the reality of the cost of following Jesus Christ. Sons, son, if you really go all, I mean, you can be a nominal Christian, sit in the back and agree with everything the world says and 
capitulate the culture entirely. Well, that's not a Christian anyways, but lots of people who say that, well, I believe in God, but that's, that's, not gonna, that's not gonna do suffering costs because you're not, you're not saying for anything. If you actually desire to live for Jesus Christ and go against culture in love and gentleness and humility, but stand with conviction upon the word of God and his truth, it will come in a Son, son, if you live all out for Jesus Christ, it's not gonna be easy. Why do I say that? Because I love them. It's not a bed of roses, but it's gonna be awesome. But it's gonna, be, son, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See what the Lord does. The opportunity to live for him in a time where the world is in such desperate need of the love of Jesus Christ. It's too important. Now back to our text. Look at what Jesus does in verse 28. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost. There it is whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see him begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, Jesus here is front-loading. Again, you can't, you can't charge Jesus not, with, not, with not being up front and telling us. He's like, count the cost, count the cost. Know what you're walking into, right? The great crowds have gathered. And he's like, wait, time out, time out, time out. If you're gonna do this, this is your reality. Cost of self, cost of suffering, die to self. Why? Jesus isn't into lukewarm Christians. He's not into half-hearted affairs. He's into the quality of those who understand what the gospel actually is. You know, I'm convinced that Satan is so afraid, of course, of this message in this particular series. And why is he so afraid? Because what if the church actually woke up? I mean, what if we actually began to woke up as to what life is really about? What if we actually started to live in such a way that we became less and Jesus Christ became more? You know, when you're casually sitting around and maybe drinking a cup of coffee, and this has happened to many of us, and all of a sudden the phone rings or a text comes in or someone comes up to you, an emergency is hit or a crisis comes upon your situation and you're sitting there one moment and things are fine and you're enjoying the moment as we should, but then the crisis comes in and instantly the heart beats fast, the mind is so serious, you get up, you rush to provide aid. Many of us have happened with our kids or a loved one. And one second you're casual, the next second, it's the emergency, it's the intensity, it's that 911 moment, and everything comes into focus, and all your energy is put into this moment. Everything else doesn't matter. That's one of the greatest powers of suffering within the church and persecution, is that all of a sudden, all of a sudden you wake up, all of a sudden the seriousness, all of a sudden all these other things no longer matter. You see, Jesus understands the power of cost. He understands the power of suffering. He understands the power of dying to self because think about it, think about it. When we are being opposed by the outside world and we really now understand what we're living for and the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, think about it, think about it, men and women. In those moments, there's no time for pornography. There's no time for that. There's too much urgency. There's too many people dying. I don't have time to sit around and waste my life looking at sin. Think about this. When the gospel's at its forefront and the cost is in front of us, there's no time for infighting in the church. Think of how many churches have gone down fighting over the color of the carpet. Think of how many churches have gone down fighting over which style of music they like more. In the reality of eternity and the gospel, that is pathetic. 
That is ultimately and definitely pathetic that how many believers would fight each other when the reality people are dying. But see, when opposition comes in, all of a sudden, you're just glad to sing a song at all, let alone care about what style it is to suit your likings. When the opposition comes, there's no time for materialism. Who cares if you get a new car? I'm trying to save people from death. When the opposition comes in, who cares about vanity? There's too much at stake. You see, there just isn't time for that stuff. Everything comes crystal clear focus. You actually begin to wake up and start living the Christian life as intended in scripture. And that's why the greatest indictment upon the Western church has been lazy, apathetic, complacent, self-driven believers who talk about a whole bunch of issues and the end of the day have no bearing and no meaning on eternity itself. God help us. And that's why Jesus brings messages like he does today in this text, because he helps us understand the reality of what we're actually supposed to be doing, why we're here, and what he's done for us. But see, if we start to get this, and to trust me, I don't fully get this, but I'm thinking and praying about it a lot, because I know that when I start to understand the reality of what's going on, then the world does become less that my vision becomes so clear on Jesus Christ and how awesome it is to say, I, don't, I used to want that, I don't want anymore because what matters is the love of God within my life and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to pray. He's all we got. In light of texts like this, how critical this is. And notice the example Jesus gives in verse 29. He says, people will mock the unfinished building. Isn't that amazing? Inherently, we read into this now, the world mocks half-hearted Christianity. Why? Because it's people who profess to know Christ, but don't live what they say they believe. And so the world says, I knew you were fake. I've seen this hundreds of times. People are like, I am in for Jesus, I'm in for Jesus. Life gets hard, opposition comes in. I'm out for Jesus, I'm out for Jesus. And their friends in the world say, yeah, I knew you were fake. I knew you were fake. Chirp, 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 chirp. And so Jesus says, you better count the cost. You know what you're getting into. But listen, they listen in. Where there's cost, there is so much blessing and then joy. And that, but see, that's where faith comes in. When you, when you truly understand the gospel, there's nothing else you actually need. The cost of self, the cost of suffering. Thirdly, the cost of sacrifice. Look at verse 33 now. So therefore, Jesus says, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Okay, so if there's any question on Jesus calling for complete commitment in this text, those questions are answered. He says, anyone who does not renounce all that he has, that phrase in the Greek carries the idea of saying goodbye to, meaning I don't trust in what I have. I trust in who I am in Christ. I trust in my God. So I'm able to say goodbye to the things of the world because of the reality of the God. Say, how does that happen? It happens by God's grace. Listen, listen, here's, here's Paul's secret again. Philippians 3, I count all things as lost. I renounce all that I have. Why, why? Compared to the surpassing worth, the treasure of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul knows I found the greatest treasure there could ever be. I have all things now, infinite worth in Christ. Therefore, compared to Jesus and the gospel, that I count as dung. 
That is nothing to me. That's all rubbish in compared to the value and the worth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the secret to living this way. That's the parable of the hidden treasure. Jesus tells the parable, the man stumbles along, he finds the treasure in the field, he instantly, this is key, he sees the worth of the treasure, Jesus Christ, the gospel, he leaves, he goes and sells all that he has so he can buy the field, because when he has the field, he has the treasure. When he has the treasure, he needs nothing else. Notice in that parable, when he sees the treasure, he finds the joy. When he has the joy, that leads to the sacrifice. You see that? The man in the parable, he's not like, oh, do I have to? Oh, what a, what a, what an annoying thing this is. Oh man, such a trial. No, no, no. He understands he found infinite value in Christ. That leads to joy. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And then sacrifice naturally comes from joy when you know you have the greatest gift ever in the history of the world. Do you see? That's how you live this stuff out. It's not by trying harder. The more you understand the value you received in Jesus Christ, the more joy we have, the more we're like, a cost of self, that's nothing compared. The most powerful men and women ever used, that, that's how they lived. I have the gospel. In the end, ultimately, I, I need nothing else. I have Jesus. I need nothing else. And therefore, do what you want to me, including taking my life, because in the end, you're only just furthering me into the kingdom of heaven with my savior, Jesus Christ. Now that is a truth very few believers in this part of the world live. But it's possible. It's possible to increasingly be living this way as we die to self and live for Christ. There's a cost in the gospel. Notice verse 31 now as we finish here. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while well, the other is yet a way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. And this is very interesting. So in the first parable of counting the cost in the tower, you could say Jesus is saying, sit down and count the cost of following Christ. The second parable, I believe you could say this way, sit down and count the cost of not following Christ. The first parable is, what does it mean to follow Christ? The second parable is, those who go against God are going to lose. Whether it's 20,000 to 10,000 or 2 million to one, God wins. So make sure you count the cost. See, see no, loved ones, this is so key too. The cost for following Christ is significant. Listen, but it's temporal. Hear me, this is for some here today too. The greatest cost is rejecting Christ because that's eternal. You see that? Remember that, remember that. We're so focused on the present, but eternity is what really matters. So the cost of following Christ ultimately is temporal. That's why you have people who are losing their heads right now for the case of Jesus Christ, because they understand that truth. Go ahead, kill my, kill my life, but you cannot take my soul. The greatest cost, you're here today, if you are apart from Jesus Christ, the cost that will be brought to the person apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ lasts for all of eternity the forgiveness of sins, the love of God placed upon the person who receives the gift by faith. So again, let's be sure this following Christ in this life is a cost, the greatest cost is rejecting Christ. You know, this month's issue from the Voice of Martyrs, it's entitled, We Only Die Once, We Might As Well Die for Jesus. Just think about that truth. I mean, how can you deny that? We only die once. 
We might as well die for Jesus. There's conflicting reports, but the reports are either dozens of Christians every day die for their faith in Jesus Christ or hundreds of Christians die for their faith every day in Jesus Christ. I wanna read you here one story. There's many stories I could read about realities of what's happening across this world. Some are just honestly too graphic for me to share in this setting, but I wanna tell you a story of Graham Stewart Staines. He was an Australian missionary who was martyred along with his two sons, Philip, who was age 10, and Timothy, who was age six, while sleeping in their station wagon at Monhampar Village in Arissa, India in January uh, 1999. In 2003, the Hindu activist Dara Singh was convicted of leading the gang. Graham Staines had been working in Arissa among the tribal poor and especially with leprosy patients since 1965. So him and his wife, Gladys, they married or met in 1981. They were working with leprosy patients. They'd worked together since then. Three children, daughter Esther, two sons, Philip and Timothy. Staines assisted in translating the Bible into the whole language of India, including proofreading the entire New Testament manuscript, though his primary ministry was to lepers. He spoke fluent Oriya, which is very popular among the patients. They loved him. He used to help them and love them. Of course, when they were cured, he used to teach them how to make mats out of rope and basket of saboy grass and, and hand weaving. So this, this, this man's whole life was dedicated to the practical, emotional, physical, and spiritual love of Jesus Christ to those who were deemed unlovable. Like that was his mission in life. So on the night of January 22nd, 1999, Graham Staines had attended a jungle camp, an annual gathering of Christians to strengthen fellowship and for teaching. And in the night, he was sleeping in a station wagon when his when a station wagon was set afire by a Hindu mob and Graham and his two sons, 10 and six years old, were burnt alive and their charred bodies were found embracing each other. They tried to get out apparently, but of course the Hindu mob in their horrific evil would not let them. What's up with that? Here's a man, he's just trying to live for Jesus and love him. He's just trying to love people with leprosy who no one else would go near, especially the culture that he was living in. They wouldn't go near them. He's just trying to love Christ. And the evil that comes against them and sets their car on fire. I have a 10-year-old. I have an eight-year-old. The writer who wrote this post said, Graham Staines lost his life, but he did not waste it. He says, writing that you may not waste yours. You know, it's really, really interesting with this difficult passage is to understand what are we really willing, who are we really in Jesus Christ? What is this really about? How far are we really willing to go? Luke chapter 12, verse four. Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. I mean, one of the realities of being a Christ follower is, again, the temporal fact, you can take my life, but again, you cannot take my soul. That is going to heaven guaranteed. That is the power that we live in. It's such a powerful truth in our day. But Jesus says, but I will warn you whom to fear. This is the real fear in life. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast him into hell. Notice Jesus says, yes, I tell you. Yes, I tell you. Fear him. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Where do we go from here in a message like this? How do you start to live effectively in light of this passage? Number one, this one, loved ones, pray effectively. 
Pray effectively. Pray according to the gospel. I'm not gonna condemn you for praying for ingrown toenails. I'm just saying, I think there's higher levels of prayer. I think the Lord will hear all prayers. I really, really do. But I think our urgency in how we're praying is what are we really praying for? Are we praying that God will increase our income so we can buy something else or take a nicer vacation? I just don't know. I don't know about that prayer. I don't know. I think God likes to bless us. I think, but in, in, in the reality and the light of all that we're looking at right now across this world, I think there are more effective prayers that we can pray in terms of the gospel. I think eternity in heaven and people being saved from hell and death are a little more important than our temporal satisfaction here on earth. I'm just saying. Uh, secondly, do this. Think clearly. Perspective, loved ones, loved ones. Think clearly. Like take the truth of these texts and think before you speak. Think before you live. What are you living for? Think about these things. Get some perspective. You know, one book, there's been several, but one book has been very impactful for me. I'll put it on the screen for you here. It's called Filling Up the Afflictions of Christ by John Piper. And it's a biography of three specific individuals who lost, gave their lives, lost their lives for the cause of the gospel. William Tyndale, Adoniram Judson, and John Payton. I've read this book a few times, including this week, pretty much. The first section is on Tyndale on the translation of God's words, a little bit a heady or, or kind of, it's, it's just fantastic history, but in the end, he loses his life for translating the Bible into English. And then you go through the, the lives of Judson and Payton. It's so humbling to read the reality of what they lost because of their love for Jesus Christ. And when you, and when you finish the book, you're just like, wow, my life is just like, my problems are not problems. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, I, I wanna live more for Christ. That's in our bookstore, but there's only like a couple of copies. So the bookstore doesn't know I'm doing this. So I'm gonna get big trouble, okay? But, but Amazon, we can order some more in, but I just recommend this to you. You know how to find it, okay? Let's go back to our thing here. Uh, live simply, live simply. That's just wisdom. Don't cause your life to be so filled with distractions that the gospel's crowded out. That's just dumb. Live simply. How do, you, how do you declutter your life? How do you simplify your life so that you are freed to even pray and love for the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're so busy with what? That's a great question. We're so busy with what ultimately? Eternity's coming. It's coming. Live simply. Give generously. Well, of course. What matters in this life? The gospel. Give to the gospel. Why? Urgency. Lives are at stake. Lives are at stake. Whether Nepal, whether here in this world, whether for this church, whether for the cause of Christ, give generously because what else are we ultimately giving towards? How exciting. That'll make sense. That'll make sense. I count all things as loss because I want the gospel to go forward. This one here, love powerfully. Love powerfully. Well, everything comes down to love. That's the Lord's Supper here today too. Love powerfully. The cost of self, the cost of suffering. How can you love by dying to self? How can you love through choosing to suffer? How can you love through sacrifice today? How can I love that way as well? But I want you to see this too sickly. This is, this is so important. Believe expectantly. So, so in the midst of the reality of what's happening, listen, don't lose heart. Now, you saw that baptism video today? What is that? That is the gospel changing lives. In the midst of all the darkness, God's like, 
bring it. In, the, in, in a humble way, we can stand in the face of Satan in the world and say, bring it. Why? Not because of us, because God's with us. And if God is with us, yes, who can be against us? So listen, listen, my prayer is in the midst of such a tough text, at the end, you will say, man, 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 I believe my life is in Christ. I believe that I cannot lose. I believe as I die to self, I live more. I believe that as I become less, Christ becomes more in me and the joy and the power and the blessing and the urgency. You've heard the testimonies all the time. Those who lose their lives in the midst of it all, they are giving praise and glory to Jesus Christ who would trade it for nothing. Because that's how the gospel works. Wow, well, a convicting message for sure. God's word is truth. It's living and active. And we pray that as God's word has convicted you and challenged you, that God's word would also be healing you and drawing you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. You can also write us at any time in Canada at 500 Great Lakes Boulevard. Oakville, Ontario, Canada, L6L 6X9. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. We hope you join us again next time here on Live in the Light. Live in the Light.